friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey, and I have missed you. I did not produce a podcast last week at the risk of losing some reviews in my iTunes and Apple account, I decided that I needed a mental health day. And you know what? What kind of life coach would I be if I didn't follow my own advice once in a while? So I took a mental health day and I loved it. Thank you so much for allowing me that space. And I'm so glad that you're back. Today is a really important episode. I actually did a poll on Instagram kind of asking people what do they want to learn about next and you all voted in on my Instagram account coach underscore Rachel underscore Bailey that you wanted to learn more about trauma. What is trauma? How do I know when I've had it in my life? How do I know when my friends have had trauma? How to support my friends through traumatic experiences? What exactly is PTSD? How do I heal from it? How do I support my friends who might be experiencing post-traumatic stress? And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about what is trauma, what to do with trauma once we've gone through it, how do we heal from it, like fully, truly heal to the point of it never happened. And how do we support friends who might be going through trauma right now or have gone through trauma in the past and are now going through a healing crisis? Maybe they're experiencing depression or anxiety or some post-traumatic stress. So buckle up. This is going to be a really important episode for you in self-discovery. It's also going to be a really important episode for you in understanding how to support the people, the loved ones in your lives that have gone through stuff. So I'm excited for this episode. It's going to be a great one. Buckle up. Let's dive in. So before we get too deep into self-discovery and diving deep with our own traumas and the traumas of those around us, it's important for today's episode that we have a clear understanding and definition of the word trauma and how it's going to be used in today's episode and how I use it, how I distinguish what trauma is when I'm working with certain clients. Now, trauma, in my professional opinion as a life coach, does not have to look a certain way. Trauma is one's own definition of going through something that was a heightened state of emotion in which the fight or flight response was initiated, took over, And in this heightened state of emotion now, we have created an imprint of negative emotions, an imprint of limiting decisions, an imprint of a negative experience that we now project forward into our present and future. That's my definition of trauma. In other words, it does not necessarily have to look like I was a victim of rape. 
although that is traumatic and a lot of people would agree that that is traumatic, what about I was in a car accident? For some people, that is traumatic. For other people, it is not. And so this is where we get gray area. How do we define trauma? It's very simple. Trauma is the individual's experience and understanding and label of trauma. In other words, if your friend gets in a car accident and says, no, I'm totally fine, like fender bender, not a big deal. I'm moving on with my life. Not bothered at all. Not traumatic. Another friend could go through the exact same car accident, be in a heightened state of emotion with that fight or flight response triggered and say, oh my gosh, I cannot get behind the wheel anymore. Every time I do, I have anxiety. My heart starts pumping. I start sweating. I've got massive fear. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about the car accident. Well, then that was traumatic. So when we're talking about trauma, we want to be very careful that we're not telling people, oh, you went through a trauma or conversely, that experience was not trauma. Who are we to say? We don't know. We were not inside that person's body living their experience for them. And so with other people, it's important to understand that if they label something traumatic, it was period. End of discussion. Now, for my fellow nerds out there, I want to give a shout out, fellow nerd here. I want to give you a quick little science lesson in the form of your brain on fight or flight response. So as you're listening to this, I want you to just go ahead and make a fist with your hand so that your thumb is on your palm and your four fingers are wrapped over your thumb. This is a visual representation of your brain. A normal functioning brain when it is happy. Your thumb, let's imagine, is the amygdala. The amygdala is what is activated during a fight or flight response during a stressful situation. The rational thinking brain is the four fingers that are on top of the thumb. Now, what happens when you're in a stressful situation? Your rational thinking brain, let me give you an example. If you were in a stressful situation where you were beginning to rationalize your different options, okay? So let's imagine now you are outside. You go outside and you see a raccoon. And the raccoon is like ravenous. He's like foaming at the mouth. He looks like he's agitated and he looks like he's going to charge you. What happens now is if you have a rational thinking brain, you would make decisions like this. Hmm, that raccoon looks very angry. I wonder what I should do. Let me weigh my options. If I were to run... I might be able to run faster than him, although I haven't eaten breakfast yet, so maybe that's not the best option for me to try to outrun this thing. Well, I guess the other option is I could charge it and see if it runs away, and maybe that would be the best idea. But if it doesn't run away and then I get in a fight with this thing, am I going to be able to punch it? Is that even legal? What should I do when there's a raccoon sitting in my yard? Or conversely, I could go inside and call the animal control. Okay, why would this be a bad thing? We all can understand, right? You're like, if there's a raccoon about to charge me, I don't have time to weigh out my different options. Which is why what happens now, I want you to make that fist again, where your amygdala is your thumb. What happens in a stress response is your fingers fly straight up. 
your rational thinking brain shuts off, your amygdala takes over the brain. It hijacks the brain. It's called an amygdala hijack. And it literally kicks it into high gear so you can make an impulsive decision quickly that is going to help you survive. You get that adrenaline rush, right? You get that extra pump of energy. All your senses are heightened and you make a quick decision. I'm going to fight this thing. Or conversely, I'm going to run. Or freeze and maybe it'll go away. Whatever your impulse decision is when your amygdala takes over. What happens then is when we're in that heightened stressful situation, our unconscious mind remembers that feeling. It remembers every negative thought that we had, every negative emotion that we had during that experience. So maybe with the raccoon, if it goes away and then we're able to calm down and we're able to put our rational thinking brain back on and we're able to relax, maybe we do not consider that trauma and we move on with our day and we move on with our life. Okay, what if we're in a fight or flight situation and we are attacked and while we're attacked by a person a human and we are feeling victimized in that moment we feel trapped we feel unsafe we feel insecure we feel afraid we feel hurt betrayed sad guilty we're shaming ourselves for being in that situation or whatever you're free from all of this example but if That is the situation when we go into fight or flight response and we have an amygdala hijack, our brain actually imprints that memory throughout every single cell in our body. Yes, that is correct. What happens is you you have these cellular memory. So your brain imprints this memory through every single cell in your body. So you absolutely remember every detail of that traumatic experience at the unconscious level and not only do you remember it at the unconscious level your body stores that information as negative energy trapped in each cell that's why you can go to the gym and have a really hard workout and start crying or you can go get a massage and they pick on one spot on your back and you get emotional because that's all that pent-up energy in your body from traumatic experiences, negative emotions, heightened, unwarranted negative emotions sometimes, which are then imprinted in every cell of the body and take over. That's why we have post-traumatic stress. What is post-traumatic stress? Post-traumatic stress is all of those unwanted negative emotions that our body stores and remembers. And our unconscious mind, it's out for our good. It wants to serve us and love us and protect us. But what is it doing with that memory that's in our body? It's saying, we can never let this happen again. Let's be on the constant lookout. Let's be on constant guard now because if this happens again, we need to be ready. And that's when, when we have a situation like that, it's our amygdala is being triggered over and over and over and over. We're going into fight or flight response when it is unwarranted and we're increasing the adrenaline in our body we're increasing the cortisol in our body and we're in a heightened state of stress all of the time or a lot of the time or an unnecessary amount that's when we have post-traumatic stress disorder post-traumatic stress disorder although a lot of people attach that association to veterans and police officers in the SWAT team those are not the only people 
that suffer from post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic stress happens when we continue to relive a negative experience or we continue to have residual results from a negative experience, meaning we continue to have stress, we continue to have adrenaline, we continue to have these negative emotions that now interfere with other areas of our life. They maybe start impacting our personal relationships or maybe they start impacting us at work or we feel afraid every time we get behind the wheel. Well, that's post-trauma. That's post-traumatic stress. So I want to kind of make sure that we're not labeling post-traumatic stress disorder as only something that happens to our military. No, the reason why it's happening oftentimes to our military, although we can't just cohesively say every veteran has PTSD or everyone who has PTSD is a veteran. False information. PTSD is post-traumatic stress and it can happen to anyone and it doesn't necessarily happen to all veterans, although they are in a heightened state for the majority of their time overseas and that is why they experience post-traumatic stress often. Yet we need to make sure that we're not just labeling people or labeling things or attaching um, a diagnosis when there isn't necessarily one. So I just want to make sure we're separating those two things because they are not mutually exclusive. Now, how do we spot post-traumatic stress either in ourselves or in other people? Well, what are some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress? Okay, so now we know what trauma is and we know what post-traumatic stress is. How do we know what to do with that when we're experiencing it? And how do we know how to support our friends who might be experiencing it? And how do we help them, right? How do we help ourselves and how do we help other people? Well, first I want to talk to you about the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Let's start with if you are experiencing it in your own body, you will kinesthetically be able to feel it. It could be different for many different bodies and many different people. Yet I'm just going to go through some general symptoms. So the first one is if you are experiencing anxiety a lot of the time, it's very possible if you have generalized anxiety or you feel anxious a lot of the time, it's very possible that you have experienced trauma and deserve to heal from that and to reframe some of the takeaways that you walked away from that situation with. You'll know if you're experiencing anxiety, some people experience it in their chest, like a ball of energy, or they have a rapid heart rate, or their palms get sweaty. Some people experience it in their stomach. They have um, stomach ache, unhealthy gut, they're unable to digest food properly. That could be stress in the gut or stress in the stomach. Some people experience anxiety in their head. They just cannot turn off negative thoughts or negative outcomes or what if this or what if that. And they're constantly looking for something to be worried about. That could be a post-traumatic stress response. Now, you'll be able to spot this behavior in other people probably before you even spot it in yourself. And you'll be like, oh, that person might be experiencing some anxiety or some stress if they are easily upset, easily agitated, they have mood swings, they're unable to focus, if they are aggressive in their behavior, 
We're finding it hard to concentrate, finding it hard to finish simple everyday tasks, finding it hard to set goals in the future. Maybe they're jumpy or easily startled. They panic when they're reminded of trauma. They're easily upset. These are some different symptoms of post-traumatic stress that you could recognize in yourself or other people. So now I know you're wondering, okay, there are people coming to my mind that have gone through trauma and I don't know how to help them. I don't know how to support them. I don't know what to do. So we're going to move into what to do when you or someone you know or love is experiencing trauma or has gone through trauma. How can you support them? First, remember we talked about this a few episodes ago. You need to make sure that you do not want healing more for the other person than they want it for themselves. This could be a whole other podcast episode. For some reason, people find gray areas or hurts or wounds or the need for healing in other people to be very uncomfortable to sit with. I want you to think about the number of times that you have had an unanswered question in your life. For example, you weren't sure whether or not you should quit your job and move to another job or start a business. You weren't sure if you should end the relationship with your significant other or try to work things out. I want you to think about those times in your life where you're like, I just need to talk about this with someone. And so you found a safe person and you opened up to them and you're like, I'm struggling to make this decision. Isn't it interesting how many times other people have tried to fix our problem for us, solve our problem for us, get us the right answer, get us to work it out right then and there. They just want resolution for us. It's weird, right? What is that? We're going to talk about that in a whole other episode. But that gray area, that unrest, when we see it in other people, it we kick into this overdrive of, I must fix it. I must fix it. Why? Why must we fix it? It's really just our projection of us trying to fix ourselves without actually having to fix ourselves is really what it comes down to. And like I said, this could be a whole other episode of why do we try to solve other people's problems for them? Maybe it feels easier or we feel like if we could help them figure it out, then maybe we could help ourselves. I'm going to challenge you to stop doing that in your relationships with people. Stop trying to fix their problems for them. Stop trying to give them advice. Just stop. They don't want that. You don't want it, right? Unless you ask, if you go to your dad or your grandfather or some figure in your life that's really a mentor and has been a great mentor to you and you're asking for their advice and you say, what would you do in my situation? Okay, then that's an open invitation. But if someone is not saying those words to you and not asking for your advice, don't give it. So that brings me back to how do we support people who have had trauma? Number one, allow them to be on their own journey. They might not be ready for healing yet. And that can be very sad and frustrating for people on the outside who just want them to be healed and want them to be fixed. But we're not here to fix people. 
We're here to hold space for people and love them where they are at. And if they are not ready yet for healing, if they are not ready yet for transformation, then number one is to accept that within ourselves. This person's not ready yet and that's okay. We can still hold space for them, which is actually tip number two, holding space. What is holding space and how do we do it and why do we do it? So holding space is the opposite of advice giving. Remember, I pleaded with you, please stop giving your friends advice unless they directly ask for it. They don't want to hear it. So the opposite of giving advice is holding space. Holding space is simply allowing somebody to process through with their thinking, with their words. They're talking to you about possible situations, possible solutions. Maybe they just want to vent and you're just a listening ear. That's holding space. If you want to get really good at holding space, like a life coach holding space, then what you're going to do is you're going to start asking that person questions that allows that person to go inward and reflect on their inward thoughts and emotions. So a life coaching question would sound like this. Oh, that's so interesting. What's important to you about that? That's an inward seeking question. An outward seeking question would be like, oh, that's so interesting that your boss is such a jerk. Tell me more about your boss being a jerk. That's an outward focused question. And there's nothing wrong with that question. If we're just two friends having brunch together and venting, then you're just a friend that's asking and holding space and venting. But you're not a life coach until you start asking those questions that ask the other person to go inward and reflect on their innermost thoughts and emotions. That's the difference. Now, I, as both a friend and a life coach, will oftentimes ask my friends who know me in both hats, hey, how do you want me to show up right now? Do you want me to show up as just a friend who's like, yeah, that guy's a jerk? (laughs) I never would say that about someone. Yes, I would. I'm human you guys. (laughs) And if you are my friend and you're coming to me and you're saying, this guy was so rude. I'm going to be like, yes, he was so rude. Unless you want me to be a life coach right now. Do you want me to be a friend or do you want me to be a life coach? Because those are two different things. Now, as a friend, you can ask for more information about the story, for more information about the projection, for more information about the circumstance. Those are great questions to ask as a friend if you're just supporting somebody and helping them vent and helping them get it off their chest. Unless, and there is a huge unless here, unless this becomes a toxic, codependent relationship in which the other person is always venting to you and is never allowing you to vent is never allowing you to talk, is never offering anything to you as far as this relationship goes, and they are just constantly needing to vent to you, I would say you're in a codependent relationship at this point. A codependent relationship is in which one person is always, always giving or lending a listening ear, and the other person is always, always, always taking. So, If you're in a situation like that, you actually are not supporting your friend. 
you're actually enabling them to stay stuck. And that is a big deal. If you find yourself listening to somebody vent over and over and over and over about the job that they hate, and this has been going on for three years, and every time you hang out, that's all they want to talk about, then what are you getting out of that friendship? A. B. Is it because it's nice to be needed? Because if you feel like it's nice to be needed or you could save that person or help them or fix them, that's codependency. Remember I said people are on their own journey and we hold space for that. We do not need to save people. We do not need to fix people. We're here to support people and there's a very big difference. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, huh, I really want to save this person and every time they come to me, it's just a toxic vent session and now I'm trapped in a codependent relationship, take five steps backward. You don't have to tell this person, I think we're in a toxic relationship and I need space from you. If that's your approach to life, then that's your approach to life. I wouldn't handle it that way. Personally, I would personally just take a few steps backwards so I had time and space to reflect on my own behavior instead of telling the person we can't be friends anymore. I would take some space to think about, huh, what am I getting out of this relationship actually? What's so important to me here? Do I feel needed? Does that feel good for me? And maybe I deserve to take a step backward. And then what you can do is the next time this person wants to hang out with you and you're like, I just can't listen to that venting session again, just tell them that you're taking a night for yourself. You don't have to say we're no longer friends anymore or I listened to this podcast and realized that I'm in a toxic relationship with you. Just take a step back and say, you know what? Um, I can't tonight. I'm going to be doing some self-care. Or making other plans or doing something different. And then just allow breathing room. You don't have to be at that person's beck and call all of the time. You can take a step back and take care of yourself and do some self-reflection and some evaluation of, hmm, what am I getting out of this relationship? Because if it's kind of feeding some weird need in me, then I've got some stuff to examine too. It's not entirely the other person's fault that you've allowed them to step over your boundary line. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but hopefully that was really valuable information. Yet, what we're talking about is holding space for people. When you're not in a toxic relationship with somebody and there's a mutual respect and a give and take, and you want to know, how do I hold space for somebody that's struggling or suffering? It's asking them, what would you love from this interaction would you love my advice would you love for me to just listen would you love for me to get in the situation with you and vent about it with you or would you prefer me to kind of hold space and ask questions that support you in self-reflection that question will up level all of your relationships whether they're intimate relationships family connection relationships, business networking relationships or friendships, 
ask people what they need from you in that moment and then you can meet them where they're at. Because some people are going to say, get in it with me and vent with me about how horrible that person is. And you don't have to gossip. You just have to validate how they feel in that moment and just say, yeah, that would be really frustrating. That would be validation, healthy validation, if that's what they want. Conversely, they might say, you know what? I really do want your opinion. I really do want your advice. Great. Green light. But again, Only if they give you that green light. And then they might say, oh, you know what? I would love some self-reflection questions. Yes, ask me some questions and help me go deeper with understanding this situation. Tip number three, how do you support somebody who is extremely depressed or extremely anxious? And in that situation, they don't want to get together with you. And you're reaching out to them and you're reaching out to them and you're reaching out to them and you want to hold space or you want to be that friend that allows them to vent so you can acknowledge and validate them. But they're not getting back to you because they're in a deep, dark hole of some kind. Ask your intuition because in each of these situations, it might be a nuanced difference. Yet if this was a really good friend of mine and I felt that I had the rapport with this person to make a suggestion, I would say, hey, would you be open to hearing some suggestions about how you could possibly support yourself with healing in the area of depression or anxiety? And if they say, yeah, thanks for offering. I actually am interested in your support. Then you have permission now to offer them the suggestion of therapy, to offer them the suggestion of trauma release work with an NLP certified life coach, or to support them by going to the doctor and talk to, talking to their doctor about possible medications. Like there are resources out there for people who are depressed or have anxiety or have post-traumatic stress and sometimes people who are struggling with those things they need our support to take that first step again they have to be ready so offer hey you know I really would like to get you in touch with this awesome therapist that I know or this amazing trauma release life coach that I know I think they could support you with this and then if that person says yeah I'm ready you say, great, would you like me to support you in any way? Maybe I could call and set up the appointment. Maybe I could drive you there. I would love to know what you could use as far as support. And then again, you're putting it on the other person to tell you what they need instead of overstepping. And lastly, tip number four, release yourself from the outcome of somebody else's journey. Release yourself from the outcome of somebody else's journey. In other words, if that person who is suffering says, no, I don't want your help, leave me alone, then you're going to love them from afar because they've told you directly, no, I don't want help. And in my experience of people, they mean what they say when they say they do not want help. So you can check in on them every few months or so and say, hey, are you ready for help now? But you cannot force somebody to get healing. There's a pre-healing journey that people go on where they first start to contemplate the possibilities of healing first. 
before they're even ready to take that first step. So you can continue to ask them and support them and hold space for them and do all the other things that we talked about today. But if they're not ready, they're not ready. And that's okay. Release yourself from being responsible for that person's healing or well-being. You're not responsible for that person's healing or well-being. You can be a support system to them. But again, there's a difference between needing to save someone and being their support system. And being their support system looks like checking in on them, asking them how they're doing, asking if there's anything that you can provide for them, that you can maybe set up the appointments for them, that you could go with them. But again, if they turn you down, that's their free right to do so. So that just means continuing to follow up with them and allowing yourself healthy space with unhealthy people. In other words, yes, we want to love people. We want to support people. We want to offer a helping hand to them as much as possible. But we're not living in their body and we're not living their life for them. And we need to remember that. Lastly, suicide prevention. If you have somebody who does say that they are going to harm themselves, that they are going to hurt themselves, that they're suicidal, that is the time to take them seriously and to call a hotline, to call the police station to do a wellness check, and to make sure that that person is set up with medical attention immediately. You can either call 911 and say that you need a wellness check if you know this person's address and you're able to get the police officers to do a wellness check. Or you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Now, if you are out of America, so I am in the United States of America, so this number only applies to people in the United States of America, but you can Google or you can search on the internet for your own National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. But here's the one for the USA. It's 800-273-8255. So if you or someone you know is actually suicidal and has threatened suicide, you call that number. You call 911 to do a wellness check and you support that person because if they're saying they're suicidal, they mean it in that moment. Even if you're like, all the evidence of their life up to this point suggests that they're not suicidal. And they have plans on Saturday, so they would never. People go through moments where they're irrational, remember? When their amygdala is hijacking their brain and they have no rational thinking brain, they make impulse decisions. And if they're telling you, I'm suicidal right now, you don't know if they're in a hijacked situation without a rational thinking brain. So if that were to happen, just better safe than sorry, call 911, call the suicide hotline prevention and get that person a wellness check immediately because maybe five minutes later, they're going to have another rational thought. But we just need to support them through that amygdala hijack, which can take place, right? So those are the tips for how to support somebody through trauma. I hope that you have found this helpful. If you're looking at your life and you're like, yes, I definitely have had some traumatic experiences in my life and my behavior, my thoughts, my emotions are in alignment with that trauma instead of being in alignment with what I truly want, what my highest version truly wants for my life then I have some recommendations for you. Number one, therapy. 
Therapy does a lot to help you process through things that you've gone through at the conscious level. If you are have already processed through consciously what you've gone through and now you need the next level of support, I would recommend an NLP coach that can release trauma for you. If you don't know one, I happen to be one. You can go to my website, coachrachelbailey.com and you can book a session with me for $97 and we can just discuss what your options are moving forward as far as doing trauma release work together. So I have to say it because I want to support people who want support. But if you're just here for the free podcast, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate you. I would love, love, love your feedback in the form of a written review. If you could please leave me a five-star review with some words about what you love about this podcast, that would greatly support me. And again, if you're listening to this on your phone, take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories, to your Facebook stories, and tag me so you can be entered to win a raffle, which I announced on the last episode, that I'm going to be doing a raffle at the beginning of May, the end of April, beginning of May. Um, For people that leave me a review and they give me a shout out on social media, they will receive raffle tickets to win a free vision strategy session with me, as well as a free ticket to my next upcoming five-day class and or a Amazon card for $25. So if any of those prizes interest you or you just want to play along, have fun, interact with me, then take a screenshot and post this in your social media and tag me coach underscore Rachel underscore Bailey on Instagram. And I will see you guys next week. I hope that you have found this episode valuable. I love you. Remember, life is a journey and you are in the driver's seat of your own life. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.